Hello, and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody, with me, your host, Jackson Stone. And I am joined today by, uh, like, one of my favorite people. I wouldn't just specifically say in wrestling. I would just say in general. Um, we spent a lot of time together in Germany, which we went, where we became friends in very close quarters. So we got very close very quickly. Um, haven't seen him in a while due to some... You know, life and the world being in the state that it's in. But I'm joined today uh, by my good friend Jack Moody. Hey, how's it going? Hey, man. Hi. It's good to see you again. It's been way too long. It's good to have you uh, in Texas for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Hope it's more often. But, uh, you know, it's not easy to drive 17 hours being in Chicago. So, uh, yeah, because you live in Chicago, but most of your family lives out here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, born and raised in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, suburb Mansfield, um, and then moved to Chicago when I was 26, so most of my life in Texas, but I've been there almost a little over eight years now, which is kind of crazy, because it yeah. doesn't seem like it's been that long, but also it's definitely uh, at the point where I come back to Texas, and it's not not the same city I was living in before or the different areas like even going through like my old stomping grounds and just like oh no this is completely different I don't recognize any of this like, yeah eight years is fat is like, long enough for that to be the case it's interesting everything has grown yeah so much yeah like exactly that eight year ten year span like when I was in high school I went to high school at Plano West and in Frisco which is like really close to Plano it's like same kind of deal um, there was I want to say like two high schools in Frisco when I graduated in 2010. Now we're in 2021. There's like 11 or 12 high schools in Frisco. (laughs) Um, So there's just an exponential growth here. A lot of people are moving here. It's cool. My dad used to drive uh, semi-trucks just in the area. Like he would just, you know, 18-wheelers like locally. And he used to make deliveries to a feed store in Frisco. Mm -hmm. And that was the only thing in Frisco. And now it's, they have a minor league baseball team. It's mm-hmm. booming. <laughs> you know, like it's a complete, and that was, you know, that was when I was probably, you know, it's 20 years ago. Right. That much in 20 years. It's a ridiculous amount of growth. It's still a lot. But, okay, so I only have one, one question. I only prepare one question for these episodes. All right. Normally, uh, especially with people that I already know, mm-hmm. usually only prepare one question. So I'm going to ask it to you now here in a second. But it's a, um, it's a regular listeners know the question I'm going to ask, but I think it's one of the most important questions in the whole entire world, uh, especially between two males. I think it can be a bridge to more open and honest conversation. Uh, it can be a bridge to more healing, more understanding, all these things. And if we answer it honestly, we usually use this question as a way to just like say hello, like you briefly said it at the beginning of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I try not to answer and I try not to ask it back, but it's like almost like habit. It's like almost automatic. So I'm going to ask you now, hopefully answer honestly as much as you want. How are you doing? Like for real, for real? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Like, uh, I really think, you know, despite kind of, uh, where the world is, like I feel, uh, pretty happy with where I am and who I've become as a person. And I think uh, the relationship I'm in, which, you know, is I I fully see as being the last relationship I'll be in, like romantic relationship has really shown me um, just kind of 
like what growing as a human is and being able to, you know, see where you've come from, why you are who you are and being able to deal with that, whether it's for the better or the worse. And like, uh, I think it's opened me up a lot to the type of conversations that you have pretty regularly where very honest, open, vulnerable, and being able to be yourself and be happy with who you are. Mm -hmm. Like it's that relationship has really opened my eyes that I was always that way, like pretty content and always trying to find, uh, you know, always trying to better myself a little bit, but I think I was never really open about it. And just that kind of openness has helped me like reflect a lot. Mm. Um, especially over the past three years, yeah. you know, uh, has being in a, a long-term relationship, like helped you uncover parts of yourself that you were trying to hide or didn't know exist or, and on the other side of the spectrum, maybe on more positive side, I don't know, really like using positive negative to describe mm. things. Because it's all on a continuum. But anyways, <laughs> you don't need my whole yeah. lecture about that. Maybe you do. Um, but on the other side of it, has it has it made you uh, more sure about, this, uh, about the kind of your strengths that you already knew about yourself? Um, well, I think uh, especially that. Like, I think one of the, the strengths that I had was, like, it, since I was, like, kind of... I'm very much like a silver lining type person mm-hmm. and I feel like that's uh, th- that's a very good thing to have especially like with you know where we are in the world like everybody's going through the same thing right now mm-hmm. that's very very unique right. but trying to find the positives in that is very very important and I think that's been highlighted both by where the world is both by mm-hmm. you know my partner and uh, but when it comes to like things that I uh things that I've learned that have made me better. I think a lot of it with, with her is just being able, like learning to, I guess, really, uh, empathize that how some people see the world and experience the world. Isn't how I necessarily do Mm -hmm. and being able to be like, and not that they're wrong and I'm right. It's more just like, Oh no, it's just different. And I just need to understand that they see it differently and we're going to have common ground. Everybody has common ground. Uh, but being able to understand that like, that's okay that they see it differently and they experience things differently, whether it's sight, smell, taste, or emotions and emotional responses to things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, uh, like being able to understand that and love that about someone, not just be like, oh, okay, well they're different. So I'm going to kind of back away, you yeah. know? So I feel like that's something that I've really learned really over the past two and a half, three years. Yeah. Yeah. How has that changed the other relationships, like friendships, family relationships? Has it had an impact on those as well? I think a lot. I think uh, a lot of it is, uh, you know, um, I think, I guess now just talking about it, I'm kind of realizing why that's the case. Um, my partner comes from a very different background. She was raised by Vietnamese refugees. Like she is the, she is a first generation immigrant, Mm. um, or, you know, first immigration or first, uh, first generation child of immigrants of refugees specifically. She has a completely different upbringing than I do. And just realizing that like that informs who they are as a person that informs every decision they do, where somebody comes from. And even like going to how I deal with, not deal with, but how I relate to my dad. Like mm-hmm. I have to understand where he come from, comes from. He comes from a poor family and, you know, 
the suburbs of Paris, Texas, which right. is, does not have suburbs. He's from Powderly, Texas. <laughs> like, so when I'm talking to my dad about anything, like that better informs me. Just like I have to understand where he's coming from, and then not only does it help me connect better to people, understanding that, but also uh, the curiosity of like, well, where do you come from? Because I want to understand you better. Like that's just with everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I want to understand where everybody's coming from, so I can understand them better and better relate. And, you know, really understanding that people's, uh, people's experiences and the life they've lived before is going to affect everything they do. And really taking that into account has, uh, that understanding has really, really helped me be a better person. I think lately. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Relationships are like this, they're the sauce, right? They're the secret sauce to life. But it's not so much a secret anymore. You know that you have to have fruitful, meaningful relationships to have a fruitful, meaningful life. Yeah. But in the same token, cultivating lifelong relationships, whether it be romantically or friendships or family, is really hard. Yeah. Because people change, and they should change, and we should allow that growth and change. But we have to be open enough and create enough uh, communication where we know where we're headed. Yeah. Because if I, me and you are friends from 2016. Yeah. Right? I'm not the same person yeah. that we spent time with. Yeah. I have some of those same traits and characteristics, but some of those decisions that I made or some of the things that I said, I probably wouldn't say them now. Yeah. And you've held space for that, and now we're having a conversation here. Yeah. So there, I think it, that's like an important uh, note to make about the growth of relationships. Yeah. You know? And I think even the conversation that we're having now and the conversations we've had even today before this, they're not the type of conversations we had in 2016. You know, we we were boys that loved wrestling and went out together and, you know, partied and just like, let's go explore this place that we're not familiar with. Yeah. And like, but we didn't. And I, I loved it and I love you, but like, we didn't have that relationship of just like, oh, let's talk about our feelings. It wasn't a really deep relationship. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I love that we can. I think that's important. Like, it's, you know, it's cool seeing those friendships grow. I've had a couple of them over the past three or four years where it's like, oh no, this friendship is not just my buddy that I go do this with. Like, no, we're like, like, like it's, it's not just friends, it's more like family. And like, it's kind of cliche, but like, it's like a brotherhood. It's like brothers, you know, yeah. where it's a much deeper relationship than just being boys, you know, like going to get a beer and talking yeah. about whatever. Yeah. I like Blake Shelton talking about girls talking about trucks like <laughs> but actually talking about <laughs> but actually talking about stuff yeah I mean we can talk about beer and we can talk about trucks uh, those things are cool but <laughs> that's uh, I've always just like I've never been like the talk about trucks type of guy <laughs> like I, I think yeah I drove a truck most of my life when I was driving but yeah. I don't really go talk about them like so that song <laughs> that song I was just like man I I don't know how many friends I'd have that I'd like really want to go talk about trucks with and if I started talking about trucks with my friends I'd probably like Brian just, or Jack just stop <laughs> stop talking about trucks for a little bit which one yeah <laughs> I don't know how long of a conversation I can have about trucks I'd be like <laughs> this may be one of my longest yeah this is the longest one you'd be like I have a truck I'd be like oh that's nice what color is it <laughs> it's green yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> is it a Ford it's a Chevy oh it's a Ford like oh okay cool I drive a Chevy like oh that's this is, is it get good, get good mileage? Yeah, like, all right, man, good seeing you. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Does it kick it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Great chat. Your, your wife, you get home like 18 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Your wife's like, does he have a Chevy or four? <laughs> that was the truck talk. She like knows already. She's like, what are you doing? It's, uh, it's like three more minutes. I tried so hard. I'm sweating just from really trying to come up with questions about trucks. <laughs> but uh, anyways, to circle it back. Uh, now, see, this like, is the type of conversation we would have had. This is the, just I mean, this is the banter, right? Yeah. Super, super easy, calm banter. And then move into something a little bit, a little bit more serious. Yeah. But that's the... That's the beauty of relationships, you know, because you, sometimes you hear all the, I used to say this all the time in college, like, you, you like one of my buddies or some of my friends would like do something that was like kind of out of the ordinary and be like, you've changed, bro. Yeah. Like, well, well yes. <laughs> yeah. I like, even from yesterday, I've experienced so many different things. Yeah. People, I looked at stuff, went to different classes, mm-hmm. whatever. So yeah, I have changed. And it was almost like a derogatory, like, yeah. what are you doing? But now when people tell me that I've changed, I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for fucking noticing. I'm like, yeah. I'm putting in like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, to like, I'm trying to. To like, like say and feel and like really be about these things that I talk about. And so now it's like a super compliment. Yeah. I'm like, they're like, wow, you really changed. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. You know, it's like commenting on someone's like intellectual ability or the way they care about people more than like, just like their physical appearance or whatever like for a surface level compliment those are still nice too yeah I like when people tell me that my mullet makes me feel good that my mullet looks nice or whatever you know but those other ones like have a lot more like like visceral meaning I think yeah like I think uh, I think a big compliment is just like you seem like really really happy like that's a huge compliment yeah because what they say what that kind of means if somebody's saying that to you just like there's sometimes where like I couldn't really tell, but I can generally tell or genuinely tell now that you're a happy person. Like that's a cool compliment. Yeah. Like I've had that before, and I think it's just because I maybe it wasn't as emotionally available, and so I can put out there that it's not. There's no hidden if I'm happy or not. So you can tell. Yeah. That's a that's a really nice compliment. It is. You know. What do you think about happiness? Like ch- like because there's so many people that say like I just want to be happy. Yeah. Is that really what you want? Or what do you like? What do you think about the idea of chasing happiness or the pursuit of that? I, that's, I don't know the that. I mean, I think it's also just like happiness means so many different things for so many different people. Right. Like I know for me, happiness is just being like being able to have new gratifying experiences and share that with the people I care about, mm-hmm. the people I love, and find new people that I'll love along the way. You know, that's kind of what I think is happiness but I also know uh, like for me a lot of it is experiential I want to continually do new and fun things that yeah. that are uh, like I guess edifying for me in a way where I'm just like I get something out of it and can I guess uh, I don't know whether it just be going on a trip and seeing something new mm. or having a conversation with somebody that I've never that has a completely different experience than me and can like I guess inform me and make me learn something new and I'm excited about that you know that's for me if I continue to have that in my life I'll be happy yeah. but other people just like I just I know uh, my partner she just she's like I just want to be able to uh, just relax and not have to worry about uh, the rat race of making a ton of money mm. like for her her dream at this point is just like I just want to live in a home where I can pay like $500 mortgage and just relax and not have to worry about that and not play into like 
not have to essentially be a capitalist your whole life. Right. Like, I just want to just relax and not have worries like that. That's her happiness. And we have different versions of happiness, but they're compatible. So, yeah. You know, I can still do those things <laughs> with, you know, I can still have good conversations with people while doing that. So it works. For sure. Know? But like, it really just depends. People have to find what their definition of happiness is. So I feel like you can easily say, uh, I just want to be happy. But if you don't have a definition for what happy is, like if you don't ever think about or really consider what does make me happy, mm-hmm. what do I enjoy, what makes me feel good in a way that is does not later bite you in the ass, mm-hmm. you know? Like you've got to consider what that is to really be able to ever pursue that goal. Yeah. Yeah, because if you don't specifically, not maybe not specifically, but have like this general idea of what happiness means to you, you're just going to be endlessly chasing something that you're never going to reach. Yeah. And that makes you miserable. Yeah. So the pursuit of happiness now in turns makes you miserable. Yeah. And I'm more on the side of, of what you're saying, which, which I gathered from that is like, I want to have a life that allows me to experience everything, mm. which includes the shit stuff. Yeah. Which includes the hard stuff, but then also includes the really joyous, surprisingly unexpected, amazing stuff. Yeah. That's the kind of the pursuit of happiness in my idea. It's like, I don't just want to be happy. No, that's dumb. Because yeah. what if my grandma passes away? I don't want to be happy then. Yeah. I want to feel that. Yeah. I want to feel that love that I shared with her, that I had with her, the moments that I had, and know that she's in a resting spot. She had a beautiful life, mm-hmm. and I can honor that and then move on. Yeah. Right? That's part of being happy or living the hue, the full experience, right? It's just having this ability to feel everything. Yeah. And for people like us and like these macho professions or whatever, we're like, sometimes we're, we're told to suppress that and like not not be about it or not feel it or not yeah. expose it or not express it, not cry about it. And uh, crying is like a beautiful way to release emotion. Yeah. It's like very healthy and nice. You know, the more you keep inside your anger and resentment, the more it's going to tear up your body. And you're like, there's yeah. going to be a multitude of, you know, health uh, detriments because of that. So like expressing and feeling everything as it comes and then finding co- healthy ways to cope with that is like, yeah. for me at least, that's what I found over the last couple of years is the best way to, you know, live something that's meaningful, whatever meaningful means to you. Yeah. I think on like just talking about the ability to cry, like that's that's an honesty, like in a way. Like it's like a physical embodiment of honesty of how you're feeling and yeah. acknowledging your own emotions. Like especially like you're talking about in the situation of like the uh the overly macho like professions in the world, whether it be athletic or otherwise, you mm-hmm. know. Like being able to do that is important because like you're even if it's by yourself you're being emotionally honest with yourself right and like that that's the most important thing to be able to acknowledge your own emotions and yes. how you're feeling and what you're feeling cuz otherwise you know if uh if you're feeling just even if you're feeling let down that something didn't happen like you know uh you're looking for this gig that you're looking for like for for wrestling you uh had this match that you really really was important to you and then you didn't perform so well. Like you can, like you, if you were not acknowledging that, like, man, I'm disappointed. If you're mm-hmm. not acknowledging disappointment, that can just turn to anger. And you know, it's not, you, you may be a little bit angry at yourself, but it's more, you're disappointed. And right. you know, if you don't acknowledge that, then now you're going to be angry. and You're going to be taking it out in a different way. Mm-hmm. Or if you just ignore it, then the resentment builds and then it will, isn't, you know, eventually blow. Right. But like, that's a, I mean, even if it's just by yourself in a room crying, like that's that's okay. Like, it is. <laughs> you, you need to feel that. You need to acknowledge that you feel that way. If that's how you 
uh, I guess th- that's how that emotion portrays itself in you. Let it let it happen. Let it like, flow. Yeah. Just be about it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. So on the subject of wrestling, I think it's a good segue. Yeah. Uh, when we met in 2016, right? You had just like we were brand new. Yeah. Yeah. So was I, but I was like maybe a year ahead of you. I think. Yeah. Maybe I had my ninth and tenth match in Germany. Okay, so I maybe had my like seventieth. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. But we'll just say that. So as a professional wrestler, what was the instinct to go overseas so early on in your career? I think one I had already done a semester abroad in college in Germany. So for me, going back to Germany was something I always wanted to do. Mm. But when it came to uh, to the wrestling part, I felt like I, I didn't I didn't have the places I wanted to like. I guess there wasn't a place for me to learn what I wanted to learn. I didn't want to be. I wanted to be going regularly. I didn't want it to be once ever. Like my training was usually once a week mm. at that point. And it was like three or four hours, and then it was not necessarily every week. It'd be like three times a month. Sometimes it just get canceled, and uh, then I'm just bummed. Like I want to learn how to do this. Like I've been I've been doing comedy since I was 14 years old. I know how to perform. I need to learn how to wrestle. Right. Like I can go out there and put on a show for somebody, but as soon as I lock up and it looks like hot garbage, like everybody's <laughs> gonna realize, like, oh, this is just just a guy that can talk. He's not a wrestler, and like. I guess I've always uh, I looked into places in the UK as well, and then looked into Japan also. But I really wanted to learn the the physical part of wrestling, mm. and I felt like Europe just generally is a good place to learn. And then seeing somebody like uh, like Walter was there, and he wasn't Walter that he is now. Yeah, and no, he's an absolute superstar. Yeah, but but I had I knew who he was just from being an indie wrestling fan before I'd started wrestling. Yeah. Like I, cause I just watched enough stuff to, you know, so it's like, Oh, I've seen this guy's stuff a little bit. I've seen like a little bit of WXW. I, that guy, I like what he does. Yeah. And I know just the generally the European style is more based on the actual wrestling. And it's not necessarily the, uh, the high flying stuff. Cause I can't do that. Like I'm six foot three, 250 pounds. Like I can't, <laughs> I, I'm not doing anything I, off the top really. Like I, I can't. forgot how big you were. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I mean, I'm six one ish borderline six two. Yeah. I think I'm like two twenty now. Lost a little weight. Yeah. But you walked in, I hadn't seen you in so long. I was like, yeah, that's a big man. Yeah. That's a big boy. Sometimes I forget how big I am yeah. too. Me too. I'm like, oh, I guess we are big. Yeah. When I was in a uh, high school, I'd go to like uh, punk shows and stuff, and I had no. Uh, no self-awareness on my size because like I'd see like my buddies going and like doing it like stage diving and stuff yeah. and, like I'm gonna do this and like I specifically remember the first time I did it and I had never done it again but I went up there and as I was jumping I just saw the fear in everybody's <laughs> eyes I was coming jumping in the stage because it's not like wrestlers where are just like oh I'm catching this guy and right. like oh no I don't know how to do this right. <laughs> it's just a it's huge, a huge man, man. <laughs> at me uh, um, I cut you off let's, let's go no, back to what you uh, but yeah I think it was just I wanted to learn the technical side of wrestling and I, you know, I knew how to bump, I knew how to, you know, run the ropes and I knew generally how to do some moves and stuff, but like I wanted to put the in-between together. Yeah. And I think I realized very quickly that the people I was learning from didn't have that capability to teach mm-hmm. me. Not that they were bad people, not that they didn't teach me what I learned 
at that time well, you know, but there was a very, very much a limit of what I could learn. And now I know more that there is other places in Chicago where I could have went to learn that stuff, but I did not have the tools to do that. I was kind of in a place at the school that has a company, you know, and that's what you do. You go to the school and you perform at that show. And there was, there was people that wrestled other places, but there was no real way to like, Oh, how do I get to those other shows? How do I do that? And like, I know from comedy, like you just got to make connections sometimes. Right. And, you know, like, that's what it is. So you, that's wrestling. you got to make those connections. If you don't know the people, like, there's only so many ways you can get people to watch you and think that they want you to come in to work for them, you yeah. know? It's a little bit of that, all that, I guess. Sure. And just wanting to get back to Germany. That yeah. just sounded fun, you yeah. know? Like, what an amazing country. Right? Amazing country. <clears throat> Did, uh, I mean, that's not that's a dumb question. So comedy obviously gave you a springboard into wrestling. Oh, for sure. Like, how, how much did that help? Like, having just that like, stage presence and all that kind of stuff. I remember after my third match, somebody said, you're my favorite wrestler here. Now you just don't need to learn how to wrestle. Like, that was, that, I think that was probably a thing. Like, the guy that said it, like, he didn't mean it in a mean way. Right. But it came off just like, yeah, I really don't know how to wrestle. But I can go out there and perform. And like I've, I did, I started doing improv when I was 14 years old. And wrestling is improv with a little bit of athletic athleticism or a lot of athleticism thrown yeah, in. depending on which match you have. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's improv. And you have to be able to improv, improvise. Like even if you have a whole match ready to go, if you go and uh, you're not able to improvise and one thing messes up, like... Like you know, right? That's really challenging. Yeah, it's off the tracks at that yeah. point. So you have to be able to just like pull it back in, and you know, improv helps with just being able to banter back and forth, especially with a crowd, and be okay not knowing what's happening next, but that you're gonna get there, like all yeah. of that, and then that and stand up. Just I know how to be a person on stage. I know how to be this in the spotlight and perform and make sure people are looking at me and in an interesting way, like responding to how I want them to respond. Yeah. I can tell you being a wrestler and getting somebody to respond is way easier than getting to somebody to laugh when you're doing a comedy show at a bar that didn't know that they were going to a bar with a comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> that is very, very hard to do. Yeah. Like, you know, usually at a wrestling show, at least, you know, those people came to see wrestling. At least they're like sort of excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They probably purposely are watching wrestling. For sure. Rather than being like surprised, like, ah, oh, wrestling's here. No, that's so true though. Cause like... When I, when I go to a comedy show, I've already said the intention in my mind that I'm going to laugh. Yeah. So even if the jokes aren't like, great, I already know that I want to laugh. Mm-hmm. So like, even if it's sort of funny, I'm like, oh, that's good. And I'm yeah. laughing now. A really good joke. I'm losing my mind. Yeah. If I walk into a bar and I'm like, just expecting to have a drink and a conversation with my buddy. And there's a comedy night that night. And now some dude is making like weird penis jokes. <laughs> like that's odd for me. Yeah. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> yeah. And especially if it's and so not, now he has to try extra hard, right? Yeah. And then if you try extra hard, is it that doesn't come off well, or how does that work? You you gotta somehow be like, you you gotta like toe that weird line of like, oh, I'm gonna try really hard, but I can't let them know that I'm trying real hard. Yeah. Because then you're a try hard, mm. <laughs> and then you also have those people that'll just be like, this isn't what I wanted. I'm not gonna laugh. Right. Like now now the thing is just like you're not just trying to make a neutral or an audience that's uh, prepared to laugh, like, you know, that wants to, you're, it's the opposite. Yeah. Now you're trying to get laughter out of somebody that does not, that is actively trying not They're to like laugh. They're like a negative five. You got to pull them back to zero <laughs> exactly. and then bring them on the positive yeah. side. Wow. 
And especially with uh, with if you're in that situation as a comedian, you're probably relatively new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for sure. So you're having to pull like some, and that that's a different level of grind of just being like bombing doing stand up is completely different than having a bad match. Because having a bad match, you can go talk about it and see what happened, and you usually you at least have one other partner in there mm. that can help talk about what happened and figure it out. With stand up, it's just like nope, it's just you. <laughs> you're the only one up there. You're on an island. Go up. You're on an island. Go up there and just like, and if you have eight minutes, there's nothing worse than like bailing in three, and there's like I gotta go for five more minutes. Those are the longest five minutes. That feels like forever. Eh? Yeah, it's the it's my. <laughs> My worst stand-up show ever was in Chicago at this place called Dirty Nellie's, and it is in the it's in Mount Prospect. It's like a suburb of the Chicago area, mm-hmm. um, and I had done uh, like hosted some like bar games there at that bar before, and it's like a bar with a big venue in it, and so they liked me from hosting these bar games. Like yeah. I'm really good just being funny in like a bar game situation, and like I can do stand-up and improv too. But, like, they wanted me to do stand-up. And, like, you and somebody else bring come out here and open for this band. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Uh, I did not know the band that I was opening for was a band that had their biggest hit in, like, 1968. And they were, like, a regional popular band of the Midwest. Never really got out of the Midwest. So, like, everybody in that audience was, like, 70 or 80 years old. Mm. And there's, like... That is not my hey, brand of comedy. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Good. But he thinks that should be the name of the Stoner my band. Gang. The Stoner Gang. Like, I don't. You I'm get not, a very different audience. I'm not into that. But anyways. But yeah, the uh, seventy to eighty year old people like I'm not their brand of comedy. Mm. I'm not gonna be. And so I went up there and just tried to just do my normal stuff and like. Within, like, I was supposed to do 10, and within three minutes, they weren't having it. Like, I could tell they were actively angry that they were here seeing this 29-year-old talking to them when they wanted to see this band they liked when they were 19. Right. <laughs> and they're 60 years ago. Oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, so I did three more minutes and then got off stage. And my buddy, who was, like, touring colleges, like, headlining colleges around the country... When, you, when this happened? When this happened. Uh, he came out there because, you know, it's, it was like a Wednesday night. Like, there's not much comedy going on Wednesday. Yeah. He was leaving for like two states over the next day, but, you know, make a little extra money. He went and he was supposed to be doing 20 and he maybe got to 12 and they didn't laugh at a single joke he said until the very end where he just told a joke that his dad told him. Oh my God. <laughs> and they loved the joke that his dad had told him. <laughs> and at the, uh, at the end of him going, I, I was at the back of the room and this is like a pretty big venue. Uh, probably had seven, 800 people there. And I heard somebody say just like, uh, they didn't know I was right behind them. But they said, thank God that's over. And then the lady next to the guy that said that was like, well, at least he wasn't as bad as the last one. <laughs> just like, that was me. Oh. That was me. <laughs> but at that point, just like, I got to laugh at it. Like, you know, I'm like, Jackson Stone maybe for everybody, but Jack Moody is not for everybody when it comes <laughs> to stand-up material. <laughs> how, do you, how do you bounce back from that? How do you maintain a level of confidence in your ability to perform when something like that happens? I think it's just understanding that, like, 
every show's a different show. You know, I don't know if you're watching Ted Lasso right now. It's the nicest show of all time. It's the nicest show. Ted Lasso. <laughs> but listen, I did an entire podcast episode. I talked for forty-five minutes. I did a recap of season one. I'm going to do the same thing on the recap oh. of season two. He, it's a brilliant TV show. Absolutely. Like, there's like, it's just like real nice, but like, there's like subtle nuances of like real life shit. Yeah. Like divorce and relationships mm-hmm. and how hard that can be, but having this like sense of belief and optimism yeah. that things can work out. Like you talked about a like silver lining approach. I talk about optimism a lot and people get confused about optimism because they think it's like that all the time you think things are good. Mm-hmm. Like everything is good. I'm homeless. Things are great. I have no food. Things are great. Yeah. Can't pay my bills. Things are great. No, it's like literally the opposite of optimism. Yeah. Because you can only be a pessimist or an optimist. You can't be a realist because realist is part of optimism. Yeah. So optimism truly is being very, 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 very honest with your situation, super honest, and with yourself about what situation you're in, and then implementing the work to know that fundamentally you believe that things can work out for the best. Yeah. That's what optimism is. There's yeah. like a whole actual thing about it, not just like, all right, yeah. things are going to be good. That's a, my car got totaled. It's fine. I'm happy. I'll just leave it. That's almost like cynical. I feel like, like if you're just if you're in a very bad situation, you're not recognizing that it's a bad situation. Yeah. It's almost like cynicism that you don't even recognize as cynicism. Yeah, it's just it's like naive optimism. Yeah, like you can be calm and collected about your car being towed. Like it's not going to ruin your day. Great, because yeah. it's not going to ruin your day. It's just yeah. your car getting towed. But what are you going to do to fucking get your car back? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then believe at the end of the day you'll have your car back you'll be at home you'll be safe and sound that's yeah. optimism yeah but anyways that's my like yeah. I love Ted Lasso yeah, it's the best uh, I try to implement some of the stuff with my team and yeah. it's like be that bright light or that lighthouse you yeah. know whatever but yeah it's a beautiful show anyways go ahead I, I love the line it's uh, it's from season two Coach Beard says uh, what is it um, every person is a different person mm-hmm. and I feel that that's the way with I mean that's I've thought that way about shows. Every show is a different show, mm. you know. So it's net, you know, you can grow from the last one, but the next show you're doing isn't the same show you just did. So yeah. you could have a completely different experience. And with stand up, you do, you know, you can literally go to an open mic and bomb, and then go to an open mic later that night and kill it with the same jokes. Mm. Uh, it's just it's different, you know. You have a different crowd, you have a different vibe. You may have said something a little different. Um, so I've always thought that about shows, but with that, the, every person's a different person. Just like, that's a great way to approach life. Right. You know, when it comes to any kind of bias or prejudice you have, like, no, they're not, they're not the person you knew that may look like them or come from a similar background mm. or have the same job. You know, in this situation, it's, a uh, Ted not liking, uh, or being uncomfortable around therapists. Around Cause he had a really bad, yeah. Right. Cause he had a really, really bad experience with a therapist before. Yeah. And then just that line, every person's a different person. Like that's beautiful. So simple. I love her. <laughs> right. She's phenomenal. Oh, she's just <laughs> magical, magical woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eventually I, I'm just so waiting for the episode where eventually he goes in that room yeah. and sits down with her and I don't know if they're going to film the conversation or what they're, how they're going to approach that situation, but it's going to be like this, like, I personally feel like maybe they're not going to do this, but it's going to be like this life-altering moment that has, like, this 
really profound effect and that really normalizes yeah. therapy for a lot of people. Yeah. Because people do feel like that. Because, like, you know, I talk about mental health a lot, obviously. And, like, therapy or finding the right therapist and finding the right counselor or even finding the right medication is really challenging. And generally, the first person you see is not the right fit. Yeah. And it's the same thing you're talking about. Like, if you go to this audience and your jokes hit, you go to this audience, your jokes don't hit. It's the same way with a therapist. Like, if I walk in and we don't... Like, I want to give it maybe one or two sessions, but eventually if we're not clicking, she's not understanding me, she doesn't have the right uh, knowledge base or uh, personality traits that connect well with me so I don't... So I'm not vulnerable enough or open enough with her, then it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, so then you have to keep trying, but most people don't keep trying because it's really hard to find yeah. a therapist for one. It's expensive. Yeah. It's time consuming. And then you're like, well, this shit sucks. I'm not going to use it. I'm yeah. just gonna, I'm fine with being a little bit unhappy with who I am right now. And I don't want to get uncomfortable again. Yeah. And it's, it can be the same with medication if that's the route you choose. And it's like, you just got to keep going, keep going. And then there's the perfect mesh. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen with Ted Lasso. Yeah. Also, I feel like he's the type of person that's just like, oh, no, I'm supposed to be the bright light for everyone else. I and can't be weak. Or- I can't. Be, I can't. I, I, I shouldn't have to have somebody else be a bright light for me. Right. I feel like that's not always the case. Like You can be very inspiring for someone and very like influential and important to someone uh, and be ever, a bunch of people's support. Yeah. That doesn't mean you don't need the support. Exactly. You know? yeah. All coaches have coaches. Yeah. I coach people. I am seeing my coach today at four. Mm-hmm. I have support groups. I go to support groups. Like everyone has their vacuum, their window, their support yeah. system, their community. All coaches have coaches. Most therapists have therapists. Right. Like I know, uh, I, I feel very fortunate to have had a, a friend from high school that she is a therapist and it really very early. Like, cause I feel like being open to therapy is relatively new. Like mm-hmm. it's a conversation that, we would have had this conversation six years ago. Right. Like, and not just me and you as people, normalizing that conversation was yeah. not a thing. Like, right. it was kind of still taboo. Like, oh, you're in therapy type thing. Yeah. But, uh, and, like, I was, I feel very fortunate to have, like, I think it was in 2010 and 2011, she had said, uh, she was in therapy, or, she, and she's a therapist, and she goes, like, her biggest thing is, like, it never hurts to have, like, an objective point of view on your life. Right. Like, this person, their only point is to make me kind of understand me better exactly they have no ulterior motive like how could that be harmful like if you can find the person to do that like that's perfect like and it's like oh yeah that makes total sense like yeah and i probably you know 10 years ago would have been the same way that i just said just like oh you're in therapy is something wrong right like which is not the question you ask yeah nothing's wrong actually i feel yeah. i feel amazing <laughs> yeah i'm just giving myself the best chance to get through something that might happen. Yeah. Because inevitably, we're all going to get punched in the fucking mouth yeah. with something in life. Yeah. And if we're not equipped with these, the tools, the resiliency, the optimism to handle that, it's going to be a lot worse yeah. than it potentially could. And, yeah. and having someone who teaches you those things or could be a sounding board or who uh, shows you what uh, you can do or how to be more authentic in your life and all these things that you learn in therapy or with a life coach or whatever you choose, whatever path is right for you can is is perfect yeah you know and then you have those conversations with your friends yeah and you normalize it with your friends yeah and you guys talk about it and then maybe it encourages them or you you kind of pass on some of those skills but your friends shouldn't be your therapist yeah i I really it's i find it interesting that 
uh, I hear regularly in conversation with my friends, even it's like groups of friends, where somebody are just like, yeah, uh, I was talking to my therapist about this, and then they talk about it, and like it's more of just like that, that normal to just say like, oh, I was talking to my therapist about right. this, and just be like, oh yeah, I was talking to Jackson about this. Yeah. Like it's not that different. It's not. There's no that taboo is starting to fall away, and I really, really it's like that. It's yeah. a very, very good thing. I think there's lots of really good things that. Um, both our generation and the generation coming up behind us has really just like it's they're going to have a very different view of life than the generations before us right. and I feel like that's I feel like it's really really uh, like a lot of like emotional awareness mm-hmm. uh, the ability to reflect uh, the ability to see what does and doesn't matter in life and just kind of almost like see their kind of like the uh, bullshit expectations that have been set yeah. you know that you, we don't have a necessarily a bar for success of what a successful life means mm. um, I feel like my parents generation didn't have that and their parents generation definitely didn't have that like they didn't have that clarity I guess that I don't know if it's just having more information being able to communicate easier with people I don't know what it is that calls that but it's definitely relatively new mm. like in the past 15 years you know right and you know, honestly like I've said this before and I've said it with my partner a bunch she talks about all the time that like the generation after us is going to be the one to like really be able to change things okay. like like I really really hope so but I feel like I like there there wasn't any 17 year olds going to change the world <laughs> when we were kids or 17 that they're and it wasn't just to change the world to go like be a rock star or you know it's like actually it's like no i want to go and just make the world positive i want to cause less suffering in the world right and leave with far less suffering than there was when i got here yeah and like that is the goals of a lot of kids and that's fucking awesome super cool yeah yeah the only challenge i think they're gonna have is is navigating social media as it as it becomes like the main form of Communication, yeah. Instead of this, yeah. You know how to navigate, not uh, being completely distracted by the phone, yeah, and what it could do, yeah. You know how to still be bored because yeah. being bored is great, or being still, yeah, uh, or going outside and creating that creativity. Yeah, being bored creates creativity, right? Forces creativity. You have to, like, yeah. You know, I didn't have a phone when I was like six, seven, eight, nine. And I was mm-hmm. like, what do I do? Yeah. Just figure it out. I'm going to go play ninjas in the yard and make up stories with my G.I. Joe. Exactly. Like, I remember just, like, <laughs> pretending to be Batman at, in, like, this vacation that I did with my cousin Josh. Yeah. We were just like, yeah, we'll just do this. Yeah. And it was hilariously amazing yeah. and fun. Me, me and my brother were just, we had whatever toy set up to, like, brand of toys, I guess, whether it's Star Wars, G.I. Joe's, Batman, whatever. When we played toys, our toys was like, oh, no, we're just going to play for, like, four hours and we're going to tell just, like, this sweeping epic narrative. Right. Like, it was never... I don't know... Every now and then there'd be kids that would play... Um, we're just like, oh, I'm this guy, you're this guy, and we fight. I'm like, that's not fun. Like, let's tell a story together, man. Right. <laughs> like, like, let's make this movie. I mean, you're, you're the storyteller. Yeah. You've been a storyteller your whole life. My whole life. And it's because, like... And it, I, that's all thanks to my brother, because yeah. he was the same way, where he yeah. wasn't, like... Uh, he's two and a half years older than me, and I was pretty much born with a best friend. That's and amazing. he was just like... Uh, like no, we're not gonna fight each other. Like we're let's go do this thing together. Yeah. And like that. Inf- I mean, we're talking about where people come from. That informed my whole life. Like, right. Let's do something together. Like that's a great way to approach any kind of situation, whether it be a you know, even if it's a problem and a conflict with a person. Yeah. Like, 
let's find a way to solve this problem together rather than I'm going to solve it to one up you. Right. You know, there doesn't have to always be a loser in those situations, you know, never. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so like, I don't know what's going to happen or with social media, how it's going to advance or what all that stuff looks like. But I know that kids using it now are changing the world. Yeah. For one. So there's so many positives and amazing things that come out of it. It's just how do we navigate that a little bit and create some boundaries so that we're not losing our, like our oneness with nature and with other people and with like creating creativity outside of the phone that doesn't have to be publicized for everyone to see. It's like just you doing it because you do it. Yeah. And so that's all. I mean, people figure it out. Yeah. People, people sort it out but they were born with the phone so it's hard to say get off the phone yeah like I was born with action figures or it's like telling somebody in like 1980 like you you, you should be able to get around without a car like, so, but, but that's how the world works now right and so you have like, cars right yeah like, exactly <laughs> like you have to understand the situation they were put into and be like yeah. that makes sense yeah now how do we inform and educate and grow yeah. with this amazing device that's currently filming this podcast yeah. and be yeah. blasted on the internet for millions of people to potentially watch yeah not that they will it might happen yeah but potentially and what what happens from there right now a bunch of kids people see this conversation and it resonates with them and they go out and Posted on TikTok about this thing they saw, and now other kids are following. It's like this whole downstream effect of like yeah. some amazing things could happen by just one click of a video. Yeah, you know. But yeah, that's but then you also have the the negatives. Like, there's so many positives to it, but like every every good thing has a. I mean, every silver lining has its cloud too. Right. You just got to be aware of it, and yeah. like, how do we minimize the effect of that as much as possible, right. and get as much positive instead? You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the the bullying online and the harassment yeah. and all that stuff is and of course just like everything every source of media there's some stuff that's just vapid and useless mm-hmm. that's just how it is yeah. I mean there, when books started to come out there was a whole bunch of just books that we would never read again that probably haven't been read in 300 years because yeah. they were just they weren't meant to last and they didn't mean much but then we have Shakespeare you know we have Dickens like yeah. how many dime store novels came out in 1890 that nobody's ever heard of and nobody cares about because it was kind of useless like yeah. that's going to happen too Yeah, and it had its time and place but like there are classics you know and there's things that will carry on for centuries and that's the same way with different forms of media now like it's weird to say but maybe there is some YouTube video that 100, 200 years you know from now people go back like oh but that channel we still have those videos in our like holotube vision you know that we plug into because you know we still read Shakespeare we read a play which is wild (laughs) that in itself like yeah so there is something that will last out of this. There's uh, there's things that will last forever. And we don't know what it is. Right. Like, people didn't know... Uh, who was who it? Who am I looking at? Uh, I said Charles Dickinson. It's Charles Dickens. Emily Dickinson. She was like... Nobody knew who she was when she was alive. When her books actually came out? When her poetry came out. Like, uh-huh. it was... Like... And then she... Like, it was post-mortem. And, and then, then people found it. And, like, I know about her. Like, I know about this woman who was writing poetry in the 1800s like you know like but it, it was something la- like something's gonna come out and last we don't know what it is when it happens but right. it will you right. know yeah beautiful yeah yeah I just watched a movie yesterday today's what August 30th yeah yeah so yesterday was a Sunday so I watched it on August 29th uh, called Joe Bell 
It's with Mark Wahlberg. And Joe Bell is like a true story about this dad. The dad's name is Joe Bell. His son was gay and got bullied basically until he ended his own life. And Joe Bell decided that he was going to walk across America for his son and talk about bullying and talk about the LGBTQ community and all these things. Um, you should watch the movie. It's, it's really quite a magical, uh, magical movie, but it basically hones in on, on bullying and how much that can really affect someone. And clearly it does. And clearly the social media plays a part in that, yeah. right? Because you're behind the screen. But the more my segue to that is, is the more we talk about these kinds of conversations, pursuing things that you enjoy, healing, therapy, all these things that are now accessible also through the phone, that will become less and less because more people will be connected to one another. More people will understand who they are, what values they bring to the table and all that stuff will garner more healing. Of course, there'll be people who say mean things and do mean stuff. I've said mean things, done mean stuff. You can't totally remove that from a person. We're still a human being. We still get affected by stuff, but it'll be less severe. There'll be more forgiveness, you know, more accountability, things of that nature. And being doing this work now for, like three years I've seen that progression yeah and I can't wait to be like 75 years old with some cool ass fucking device in my hand like seeing it in real time or in your head more in my head yeah (laughs) like seeing it in real time you know and whatever that may be so I'm I'm encouraged and inspired by the people around me and the people that I see so yeah 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 same here it's cool seeing I mean with you like I mean you talk about the change like I've seen that like firsthand. like we talk about the you know the change and becoming better and becoming a positive influence like you've definitely changed as a person and you are growing and you're having a positive impact and I know it's not just on me and it has been on me even if it's from a distance like we don't get to see each other super often but like it's still one of those things like look at him becoming uh, like the man that he probably always wanted to be and just wasn't yet you know and I see that happening to you and like other people do too and other people can be inspired to change and then other people will see that person and like it sounds like a pyramid scheme or something (laughs) like that but it's nobody the only only person benefiting is everyone and it's just being happier the only person benefiting is everyone yeah (laughs) I love that yeah like wow that's like a Ted Lasso it is right Nice. <laughs> the only person benefiting is everyone. It's a domino effect. It's yeah. downstream. It's all this beautiful stuff just happening. Yeah. You know? The, uh, because it's reverse pyramid then, right? It's that. Yeah, because it's getting yeah. Yeah, bigger as you go out. Yeah. But the best Ted Lasso quote is, uh, do you believe in ghosts? And they just, uh, I do, but I mostly believe they should just believe in themselves. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I got a hard time hearing people who don't believe in themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Big Ted. I bought a Ted Lasso shirt. Oh man! I My roommate know. and I watch it every Monday. Yeah, yeah. But Unless we, you haven't seen Fridays yet. We haven't seen Fridays okay. yet. We'll watch it tonight. That Friday, this is outside of uh, Wandavision. It's been the only show that like I am watching day when of. it comes out. Like that's that's you know the other shows like I like I watch a decent amount especially being stuck at home in Chicago for so long. Yeah. But the only one that like has to be done is like that. Because then I need to watch it three more times before the next episode yeah, comes out. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, and there's, it's endlessly watchable because one, you're going to find a new joke that's hilarious, but also you're going to leave the same way just feeling like, huh. Feeling inspired. I, like, and it's like, it's so, it's so nice seeing people be nice to each other. Do you, I got a question <laughs> for you. Last question. 
I haven't really asked any questions. So. <laughs> <Anyways>. <laughs> it's been like three. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, do you have any predictions on whether Ted Lasso and the boss lady will get together? See, I think that's where the story's going, but this is also the type of show that will, like, it doesn't. It, it sounds weird. It doesn't give you what you want, it gives you what you need. Like, I feel like they're just going to have this, like, beautiful friendship. Like, that would be fine. Yeah, but, like, if they, they could write it that way, or it's like, you know, that was the right way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's the same way they... Or they get together and have a romantic relationship. Either one will make me yeah. feel happy. Yeah. And that's, like, the, the season finale of season one, where, like, it doesn't end the way where, like, it doesn't end like uh, like Mighty Ducks. Right. It doesn't. But it ends the way it's supposed to end. Yeah. You know? Hmm. I can't wait to see it tonight. That's good. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah. I am. <laughs> it's great. Also, I love that there was just a good Christmas episode in the middle of July a just, couple weeks ago. Yeah, randomly. And it was, and it was, it was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. It was. <clears throat> okay. You have any uh, last minute thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, funny stories, anecdotes? Uh, Plugs? Not really. I'm not the, the plug-in type of guy, but I'm just happy we got to hang out and have conversation. We had a good conversation before this, have a good conversation now. It's been yeah, I was way like, too long. I was like, we should just throw the mics on. Yeah, why not? Yeah. We're going to be talking about this anyway, probably. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful to see you. Yeah. When you head back home? Uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, or I guess tomorrow afternoon, like 1230. You're driving? No, we're no, flying. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We booked this uh, a month and a half ago when it's like, we can travel again. Yeah. And then like, and it's like, oh, now can we travel again? <laughs> it's, it's, it's dicey. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, for the powers that be, all, all ends good and yeah. well and people are safe and healthy. But yeah. you know, uncertainty yeah. is still in the air. Yeah. Especially coming here, I visit family that has little kids. You know, right. So they're the ones I'm most concerned about. You know, the kids that have no no uh, say in the choices that are made by the people around them. You right. know, that's who I want to care about is those, you know. Like, they don't have a say of what happens, you know. We're seven and two, yeah. so, like, they're just around. They're just recently aware that the world exists. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Playing in dirt. Yeah, exactly. Living the dream. And loving it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds magical. Right. Uh, great. Okay, well, thanks for joining me. Yeah, dude. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good time. Uh, thanks for watching. This is the... <laughs> I didn't even mention this, but this is episode... I don't know. This is episode number 69. 69. And when I was thinking about who I should have on for 69, <laughs> I thought, you know, why not have Jack Moody on? Uh-uh. Episode 70... I can't... <laughs> episode 70 will be the return of Sam Pack. So that'll be cool. We'll film that while I'm in San Diego. Um, the week before Jack Moody came on, you saw the return of Jessie, who's still here. She's doing some work in my bedroom while we record this out here in the living room. And then episode 69, hey. Big Jack Moody. <laughs> so thanks for watching. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Share this with a friend or with a wrestler or with anyone that you've ever come in contact with <laughs> ever in your whole world. Um, but thanks for watching. Cheers. Have a great day. One love. Peace.